Volume One, Chapter Seven and Eight of the Widow Barnaby by Francis Milton Trollope. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Chapter Seven: The Elegance of Mrs. Barnaby Displayed, Its Effect on Her Aunt Betsy, Interview Between the Brother and Sister. Agnes Willoughby had never been in Silverton from the day that her aunt Betsy first took her from her grandfather's house. Had Mrs. Compton lived, she would probably have battled for the performance of Miss Betsy's promise that the little girl should sometimes visit them, but though it is probable Mrs. Barnaby might occasionally have thought of her niece with some degree of interest and curiosity, the feeling was not strong enough to induce her to open a correspondence with Miss Betsy. Still, it was certainly not without something like pleasure that she found she was again to see her. Miss Betsy arrived late in the evening on the day on which the summons reached her, and, being shown into Mrs. Barnaby's smart drawing-room, was received with much stateliness by that lady, who derived considerable consolation under the disagreeable necessity of welcoming a person she detested, from the opportunity it afforded her of displaying the enormous increase of wealth and importance that had fallen upon her since they last met. Poor Miss Betsy really felt sad at the thoughts of the errand upon which she was come, nevertheless she could not without some difficulty suppress her inclination to smile at the full-blown dignity of mrs barnaby fond as this lady was of parading her grandeur on all occasions she had never even among the dear friends whom she most especially desired to inspire with envy felt so strong an inclination to show off her magnificence as on the present the covers were removed from the chairs and sofas the eclipse produced by the dim grey drugget when stretched across the radiance of the many-coloured carpet was over five golden-leaved annuals the glory of her library were spread at well-graduated distances upon her round table her work-box bright in its rose-coloured lining her smart embossed letter-case her chimney ornaments her picture-frames her footstools all were uncovered all were studiously shown forth to meet the careless eye of miss betsy while the proud owner of all these very fine things notwithstanding the gloomy state of her mansion was herself a walking museum of lace and trinkets nor were her manners less superb than her habillement. "'I am sorry, Miss Compton,' she said. "'I may call you Miss Compton now, as my marriage put an end to the possibility of any confusion. "'I am sorry that your first introduction to my humble abode should have been made under circumstances so melancholy. "'Dismal as of necessity everything must look now. "'I can assure you that this unpretending little room is the scene of much domestic comfort.' this was unblushingly said though the cold stiff-looking apartment was never entered but upon solemn occasions when the whole house was turned inside out for the reception of company miss betsy or rather miss compton as in compliance with mrs barnaby's hint we will in future call her looked round upon the spotless carpet and upon all the comfortless precision of the apartment and replied if this is your common living-room niece martha you are certainly much improved in neatness and seeing it so prim it is quite needless to ask if you have any children this reply was bitter every way for first it spoke plainly enough the spinster's disbelief in the domestic elegance of her niece and secondly it alluded to her being childless a subject of very considerable mortification to mrs barnaby how far this sort of ambush warfare might have proceeded it is impossible to say as it would have been difficult to place together any two people who more cordially disliked each other but before mrs barnaby had time to seek for words bearing as sharp a sting as those she had received her husband entered he waited not for the pompous introduction his wife was preparing but walking up to his guest addressed her respectfully but mournfully saying he feared it was necessary to press an early interview with her brother 
if she wished that he should be sensible of her kindness in coming to him miss compton immediately rose and uttering a short strong phrase expressive of gratitude for his kindness to the dying man said she was ready to attend him she found her brother quite sensible but very weak and evidently approaching his last hour he thanked her for coming to him warmly expressed his gratitude to mr barnaby and then murmured something about wishing to see little agnes before he died she will be here to-morrow brother replied miss compton and in time i trust to receive your blessing thank you thank you sister betsy but tell me tell me before you go have you sold father's poor dear fields as i have done that is all i have got to be very sorry for i ought never to have done that sister betsy mr barnaby had left the room as soon as he had placed miss compton in a chair by the sick man's bed and none but an old woman who acted as his nurse remained in it you may go nurse if you please for a little while i will watch my brother said miss compton the woman obeyed and they were left alone the old man followed the nurse with his eyes as she retreated and when she closed the door said i am glad we are alone once more dear sister for you are the only one i could open my heart to i don't believe i have been a very wicked man sister betsy though i am afraid i never did much good to anybody nor to myself neither but the one thing that lies heavy at my heart is having sold away my poor father's patrimony i can't help thinking betsy that i see him every now and then at the bottom of my bed with his old hat and his spud and his brown gaiters and i never told anybody but he seems always just going to repeat the last words he ever said to me which were spoken just like as i am now speaking to you betsy with his last breath and he said josiah my son i could not die with a safe conscience if i left my poor weakly betsy without sufficient to keep her in the same quiet comfort as she has been used to but it would grieve me josiah oh how plain i hear his voice at this minute it would grieve me josiah he said if i thought the acres would be parted for ever they have been above four hundred years belonging to us from father to son and once compton bassett was a name that stood for a thousand acres instead of three hundred and then don't be angry sister betsy said the sick man pressing her hand which he held but he said i don't think betsy very likely to marry and if she don't josiah why then all that is left of compton bassett will be joined together again for your descendants and yet after this i sold my portion betsy and i do fear his poor spirit is troubled for it i do indeed and it is that which hangs so heavy upon my mind and if that be all josiah you may close your eyes and go to join our dear father in peace he struggled with and conquered his strongest feeling his just and honourable pride for my sake and for his as well as for the same feeling which is very strong within my own breast also i have lived poorly though not hardly josiah and have added penny to penny till i was able to make compton bassett as respectable a patrimony as he left it it was not farmer wright who bought the land brother it was i the old man's emotion at hearing this was stronger than any he had shown for many years he raised his sister's hand to his lips and kissed it fervently bless you betsy bless you my own dear sister 
he said in a voice that trembled as much from feeling as from weakness and for several minutes afterwards he lay perfectly silently and motionless miss compton watched him with an anxious eye and not without a flutter at her heart lest she should suddenly find his stillness to be that of death but it was not so on the contrary his voice appeared considerably stronger than it had done since their interview began when he spoke and said i see him now sister betsy as plainly as i see the two posts at the bottom of my bed and he stands exactly in the middle between them he has got no hat on but his smooth white hair is round his face just as it used to be and he looks so smiling and so happy do not think i am frightened at seeing him betsy quite the contrary i feel so peaceful so very peaceful then try to sleep dear brother said miss compton who felt that his pulse fluttered and aware that his senses were wandering feared that the energy with which he spoke might hasten the last hour and so rob his grandchild of his blessing i will sleep he replied more composedly as soon as you have told me one thing who will have the compton bassett estate betsy when you are dead agnes willoughby replied the spinster solemnly that is right now go away betsy it is quite right go away now and let me sleep she watched him for a moment and seeing his eyes close and hearing a gentle regular breathing that convinced her he was indeed asleep she crept noiselessly from his bedside then having summoned the nurse and re-established her beside the fire retired to the solitude of her own room chapter eight solitary meditation and important resolutions agnes willoughby arrives at silverton her grandfather gives her his blessing and dies miss compton makes a sudden retreat when miss compton reached her room she found a tiny morsel of fire just lighted in a tiny grate and as the season was november the hour nine p m and the candle she carried in her hand not of the brightest description the scene was altogether gloomy enough but not even to save herself from something greatly worse would she at that moment have exchanged its solitude for the society of mrs barnaby although she had been sure of finding her in the best lighted room and seated beside the brightest fire that ever blazed so wrapping around her the stout camlet cloak by the aid of which she had braved the severity of many years wintry walks to church she sat down in the front of the little fire and gave herself up to the reflections that crowded upon her mind elizabeth compton did not believe in the doctrine of ghosts her mind was of a strong and healthy fibre which was rarely sufficiently wrought upon by passing events to lose its power of clear perception and unimpassioned judgment but the scenes she had just passed through had considerably shaken her philosophy five-and-thirty years had passed since josiah and elizabeth shared the paternal roof together they were then very tender friends for he was affectionate and sweet-tempered and she though nearly seventeen was as young in appearance and as much in need of his thoughtful care of her as if she had been many years younger but this union was totally and forever destroyed when josiah married from the first hour they met the two sisters-in-law conceived an aversion for each other which every succeeding interview appeared to strengthen and this so effectually separated the brother from the sister that they had never met again with that peculiar species of sympathy which can only be felt by children of the same parents till now that the sister came expressly to see the brother die this reunion had softened and had opened both their hearts josiah confessed to his dear sister betsy that his conscience reproached him for having made away with his patrimony a fact which he had never hinted to any other human being 
and she owned to him that she was secretly possessed of landed property worth over six hundred a year and also which was a confidence if possible more sacred still that agnes willoughby would inherit it it would be hardly doing justice to the good sense of miss betsy to state that this rational and proper destination of her property had never been finally decided upon by her till the moment she answered her brother's question on the subject and still less correctly true would it be to say that the dying man's delirious fancy respecting the presence of their father was the reason that she answered that appeal in the manner she did yet still there might be some slight mixture of truth in both miss compton was constantly in the habit of telling herself that she had not decided to whom she would leave her property but it was no less true that the only person she ever thought of as within the possibility of becoming her heir was agnes it is certain also as i have stated above that miss compton did not believe that departed spirits ever revisited the earth nevertheless the dying declaration of josiah that he saw the figure of his father did produce a spasm at her heart which found great relief by her pronouncing the words agnes willoughby and now that she was quietly alone and perfectly restored to her sober senses she began to reconsider all that she had spoken and to pass judgment upon herself for the having yielded in some degree to the weakness of a visionary imagination the result however of this self-examination was not exactly what she herself expected at first she was disposed to exclaim mentally i have been foolish i have been weak but as she gazed abstractedly on her little fire and thought 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 of all the chain of events each so little in itself yet all so linked together as to produce an important whole by which she the sickly crooked little betsy compton had become the proprietor of the long-preserved patrimony of her ancestors and also when she remembered the infinite chances which had existed against either of her portionless uneducated nieces forming such a marriage as might produce a child of gentle blood to be her successor when she thought of all this and that notwithstanding the lieutenant's poverty the name of willoughby could disgrace none to which it might be joined she could not but feel that all things had been managed for her better than she could have managed them for herself and if thought she i was influenced by hearing my poor father so accurately described to bind myself at once by a promise to make little agnes my heir how do i know but that providence intended it should be so is my freedom of action then gone for ever she continued carrying on her mental soliloquy the idea was painful to her and her head sunk upon her breast as she brooded upon it not so she muttered to herself after some minutes cogitation i am not pledged to this nor shall it be so if indeed some emanation from my father's mind has made itself felt by his children this night it ought not to make a timid slave of me but rather rouse my courage and my strength to do something more than mere justice to the race that seems so strangely entrusted to my care and so i will if the girl be such a one as may repay the trouble if not i will show that i have still some freedom left miss compton had never seen agnes willoughby from the time she first took her from silverton deeply shocked at the profound ignorance in which she found the poor little girl when she visited compton bassett she had set herself very earnestly to discover where she could immediately place her with the best chance of her recovering the time she had so negligently been permitted to lose and by good luck heard of a clergyman's family in which young ladies were received for a stipend of fifty pounds a year and treated more like the children of affectionate parents than the pupils of mercenary teachers the good spinster heard all this and was well pleased by the description yet would she not trust to it but breaking through all her habits she put herself into a post-chaise and drove to the rectory at empton a distance of at least twenty miles from the town of silverton here she found everything she wished to find 
a small regular establishment a ladylike and very intelligent woman with an accomplished young person her only child fully capable of undertaking the education of a gentleman's daughter while the venerable father of the family and of the parish by his gentle manners and exemplary character ensured exactly the sort of respectability in the home she sought for the little agnes which she considered as its most essential feature the preliminaries were speedily arranged and as soon as a neat and sufficient wardrobe was ready for her use her final separation from her improvident grandmother took place in the manner that has been related when miss compton left the little girl in the charge of mrs wilmot she had certainly no idea of her remaining there above three years without visiting or being seen by any of her family but mrs wilmot in her subsequent letters so strongly urged the advantage of not disturbing studies so late begun and now proceeding so satisfactorily that our reasonable aunt betsy willingly submitted to her remaining quietly where she was an arrangement rendered the more desirable by the death of her grandmother and the breaking up of the establishment which had been her only home the seeing her again after this long absence was now an event of very momentous importance to miss compton should she in any way resemble either her grandmother or her aunt barnaby the little spinster felt that the promise so solemnly given would become a sore pain and grief to her for rather a thousand times would she have bequeathed her carefully collected wealth to the county hospital than have bestowed it to swell the vulgar ostentation of a mrs barnaby the power of choice however she felt was no longer left her she had pledged her word and that under the circumstances of no common solemnity that agnes willoughby should be her heir the poor little lady as these anxious ruminations harassed her mind became positively faint and sick as the idea occurred to her that the eyes of little agnes had formerly sparkled with somewhat of the brightness she thought so very hateful in her well-rouged aunt and at length having sat till her candle was nearly burnt out and her fire too she arose in order to return to the fine drawing-room and bid her entertainers good-night but she stood with clasped hands for one moment upon the hearthstone before she quitted it and muttered half aloud i have said that agnes willoughby shall be my heir and so she shall she shall she be a gorgon or a second martha inherit the compton bassett acres restored improved and worth at least one-fourth more than when my poor father heaven give his spirit rest divided them between his children but for my snug twelve thousand pounds sterling vested in the three per cents and my little mortgage of eighteen hundred more for which i so regularly get my five per cent that at least is my own and that shall never never go to enrich any one who inherits the red cheeks and bright black eyes of miss martha wisett no not if i am driven to choose an heir for it from the foundling hospital somewhat comforted in spirit by this magnanimous resolve miss compton found her way to the drawing-room and would have been fully confirmed in the wisdom of it had any doubt remained by the style and tone of mrs barnaby whom she found sitting there in solitary state her husband being professionally engaged in the town and her own anxiety for her dying father quite satisfied by being told that he was asleep and where have you been hiding yourself aunt betsy since you left papa said the full-dressed lady warmed into good humour by the consciousness of her own elegance and the delightful contrast between a married woman sitting in her own handsome drawing-room looking as she had just ascertained that she herself did look by a long solitary study of her image in the glass and a poor crooked little old maid like her visitor i have been expecting to see you for this hour past i hope barnaby will be in soon and then we will go to supper barnaby always eats a hot supper and so i eat with him for company and i hope you feel disposed to join us after your cold drive 
i never eat any supper at all mrs barnaby no really i thought farmhouse people always did though not exactly such a supper as barnaby's perhaps for he always will have something nice and delicate and so as it pleases him i have taken to the same sort of thing myself veal cutlets and mashed potatoes or half a chicken grilled perhaps with now and then a glass of raspberry cream or a mince pie as the season may be all which i take to be very light and wholesome and indeed barnaby thinks so too or else i am sure he would not let me touch it you can't think aunt betsy what a fuss he makes about me to be sure he is a perfect model of a husband god grant she may be the colour of a tallow candle and her eyes as pale and lustreless as those of a dead whiting mentally ejaculated the whimsical spinster but in reply to her niece she said nothing after sitting however for about ten minutes in the most profound silence she rose and said i should like to have a bed candle if you please ma'am i need not wait to see the doctor if he thinks there is any alteration in my brother he will be kind enough to let me know the lady of the mansion condescendingly rang the bell which her livery-boy answered with promptness for he was exceedingly well drilled mrs barnaby having little less to do than to keep him and her two maids in proper order the desired candle was brought and miss compton having satisfied herself that her brother still slept retired to rest the following day was an important one to her race the last male of the compton bassett family expired and the young girl to whom its small but ancient patrimony was to descend appeared for the first time before miss compton in the character of her heiress it was about midday when the post-chaise which conveyed agnes arrived at mr barnaby's door had the person expected been a judge in whose hands the life and death of the spinster freeholder was placed her heart could hardly have beat with more anxiety to catch a sight of his countenance and to read her fate in it than it now did to discover whether her aspect were that of a vulgar beauty or a gentle woman miss compton was sitting in the presence of mrs barnaby when the carriage stopped at the door and had been for some hours keenly suffering from the disgust which continually increased upon her at pretty nearly every word her companion uttered if she be like this creature thought she as she rose from her seat with nervous emotion if she be like her in any way i will keep my promise when i die but i will never see her more nothing but her dread of encountering this hated resemblance prevented her from going downstairs to meet the important little girl but after a moment's fidgeting and taking a step or two towards the door she came back and reseated herself the suspense did not last long the door was opened and Ms. willerby announced a short round little creature who though nearly fourteen did not look more than twelve with cheeks as red as roses and large dark grey eyes a great deal brighter than ever her aunts or grandmothers had been entered and timidly stopped short in her approach to her two aunts as if purposely to be looked at and examined she was looked at and examined and judgment was passed upon her by both differing very widely however as was natural enough but in which a circumstance much less natural considering the qualifications for judging possessed by the two ladies the younger showed considerably more discernment than the elder mrs barnaby thought her and she was right exceedingly like what she remembered her very pretty mother at the same age just as round and rosy but with a strong mixture of the willoughby countenance which was very decidedly patrician both in contour and expression but poor miss compton saw nothing of all this she saw only that she was short fat fresh-coloured and bright-eyed this dreaded spectacle was a death-blow to all her hopes the hated confirmation of all her fears 
it was in vain that when the poor child spoke her voice proved as sweet as a voice could be in vain that her natural curls fell round her neck as soon as her bonnet was taken off in rich chestnut clusters in vain that the smile with which she answered mrs barnaby's question do you remember me agnes displayed teeth as white and as regular as a row of pearls all these things were but so many items against her in the opinion of miss compton for did they not altogether constitute a brilliant specimen of vulgar beauty had agnes been tall pale and slight made with precisely the same features her aunt betsy would have willingly devoted the whole of her remaining life to her would have ungrudgingly expended every farthing of her income for her comfort and advantage and would only have abstained from expending the principal too because she might leave it to her untouched at her death but now now that she saw her as she fancied so very nearly approaching in appearance to everything she most disliked all the long indulged habits of frugality that had enabled her as she at this moment delighted to remember to accumulate a fortune over which she still had entire control seemed to rise before her and press round her very heart as the only means left of atoning to herself for the promise she had been led to make i will see the eyes of my father's son closed thought she and then i will leave the beauties to manage together as well as they can till mine are closed too and by that time perhaps the rents of the lands that i must no longer consider as my own and my interest and my mortgages may have grown into something rich enough to make them and theirs wish that they had other claims upon elizabeth compton besides being her nearest of kin these thoughts passed rapidly but their impression was deep and lasting miss compton sat in very stern and melancholy silence such as perhaps did not ill befit the occasion that had brought them all together but mrs barnaby whose habitual propensity to make herself comfortable prevented her from sacrificing either her curiosity or her love of talking to ceremony ceased not to question agnes as to the people she had been with the manner in which she had lived and the amount of what she had learned on the first subject she received nothing in return but unbounded unqualified expressions of praise and affection such as might either be taken for the unmeaning hyperbole of a silly speaker or the warm outpouring of well-deserved affection and gratitude so miss compton classed all that agnes said respecting the family of the wilmots under the former head her record of their manner of living produced exactly the same result and on the important chapter of her improvements the genuine modesty of the little girl did her great disservice for when in answer to mrs barnaby's questions do you understand french can you dance can you play can you draw she invariably answered a little miss compton failed not to make a mental note upon it which if spoken would have been little enough i dare say this examination had lasted about half an hour when mr barnaby entered and addressing them all said poor mr compton has woke up and appears quite collected but from his pulse i do not think he can last long is this miss willoughby martha i am sorry that your first visit my dear should be so sad a one but you had better all come now and take leave of him the three ladies rose immediately and without speaking followed mr barnaby to the bedside of the dying man he was evidently sinking fast but knew them all and expressed pleasure at the sight of agnes dear child he said looking earnestly at her i am glad she has come to take my blessing god bless you agnes she is very like god bless you agnes god bless you all mr barnaby took his wife by the arm and led her away she took her weeping niece with her 
but miss compton shook her head when invited by mr barnaby to follow them and in a very few minutes completed the duty to perform which she had left her solitude for with her own hands she closed her brother's eyes and then stole to her room from which she speedily dispatched an order for a post-chaise to come immediately to the door the conduct and manners of mr barnaby had pleased the difficult little lady greatly and she would willingly have shaken hands with him before leaving his house but to do this she must have re-entered the drawing-room and again seen mrs barnaby and agnes a penance which she felt quite unequal to perform so leaving a civil message for him with the maid she went downstairs with as little noise as possible as soon as the chaise was announced and immediately drove off to compton bassett chapters seven and eight